Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. And a voice I had never heard said to me, Get up. This is not where you die. I was doubled over. I couldn't breathe. I felt, this is it. I'm 16 years old. I'm without my parents. I'm in an Andean town hours away from the capital, and I'm dying of a heart attack. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Jessica Hinken. And I am Laura Wexler. And this week on the podcast, Healers, two tales about curative powers that fall outside the established medical field. So this first story um, is by just a real character uh, in the best sense of the word. Um, Her name is M. Lee Adams. And in this story, she shares about a particular skill she has and what kind of uh, tussles it can get her into. I'm not sure that what I see are ghosts. I see dead people and ancestors and symbols and I uh, forward events, future events. And I know there are words for people like me, like psychic and medium and seer, and they all make me super uncomfortable because none of those labels actually fit my experience. I'm just wired this way. And I was so little when it started that there weren't any words I was four, and I was born to this very dangerous place of serial child abusers, and this wiring protected me. It was like an early warning system. Before the female abuser would go off, I could smell her skin change, and I could feel the crackle in the atmosphere around her, and it gave me time to tuck away the small kids and to draw fire because I'm the oldest and I'm the protector and that was my role. I was nine the first time I heard an ancestor voice. I woke up in the dark at the bottom of a filthy freezing stairwell and my head was tucked on the floor in the corner and my neck was searing and my limbs were tucked underneath me And I just decided to stop breathing because enough is enough. And a voice I had never heard said to me, Get up. This is not where you die. And joint by joint and limb by limb, the voice coached me to untwine myself until my head was over my neck. And I could move. Maybe the concussions opened a vector that never closed. But also maybe the vector is what made me a straight A 4.0 student because I promise you, the monsters I come from were fucking idiots. (laughs) I got out of that place and I went away and I never looked back and I studied everything I could find and I learned that there were cultures that had people like me all over the world, the Irish, the indigenous North and South Americans, Australia, New Zealand. 
There were cultures where people knew we don't stop at our skin. I was sort of four when I figured that out, but great. And I learned about shiatsu and acupuncture and massage and yoga and rolfing and massage school. And in 1994, I moved to Washington, D.C., and I went to massage school. And this was a hardline science program, and I loved the learning. And I also learned... (laughs) that science, like everything else, has its own culture and its own ego. I had a practice for seven years and I had regular clients and one of my clients came and she was face down and I was moving the sheet away from her her right shoulder and as I passed over her shoulder blade, I got this fierce sensation that something was very wrong There was no pain and no mark, and she hadn't complained, but it was like there was an interruption in the force. I struggle for vocabulary because people don't, like me, we don't come with an owner's manual or an instruction guide. And as she finished, and I finished and she was leaving, I said, please go get a physical and ask them for something that sees inside your lung, whatever those tests are called, And she argued, and I begged for a month. And then finally she went to a doctor, and he examined her. The Virginia doctor sent her to a D.C. specialist, and the D.C. specialist sent her to a New York City specialist, a guy that would give her a test on a machine that took 20 years and $20 million to develop. And only this doctor who had developed it, could run the machine and read the test. The results came back and he said to her, there is a spot on your upper right lung. It is the size of a fleck of ground black pepper. We have never found anything of this nature this early. You will live because it's so early. How Did you know? (laughs) Imagine his surprise when she said, Oh, my massage therapist just knew. (laughs) He was fucking furious. He wanted my name and my credentials, and by what authority, and he was going to have a conference call, and he was going to talk to me. And my client said, yeah, I'll ask her. Imagine his surprise when I said, no. (laughs) I thought, dude, take the win. Your machine documented what I knew. And then your science did the surgery and the treatment, and this woman got 10 more years of life. Why isn't that enough? She didn't need any more. I didn't need any more. Because I just report. I don't know if I see ghosts of pepper flakes. I only know that I'm never scared of the things I see. Literally everywhere, walking by people in the Home Depot, in the grocery store, and spontaneously. 
I'm never afraid. Monsters, though, <laughs> I know a lot about those. A monster gave birth to me. If I have to choose between ghosts and monsters, I'm picking the ghosts every time. Because I just report. And sometimes when I do, people are happy. And they're validated. Or they go away with a sense of wonder that is new. And I know about wonder. Because wonder is how I live this kaleidoscope journey that is my life. Thank you. You know, when I talked to Emily, she had so many experiences of um, sort of seeing things that others don't see. And at the same time that she recognized like this had been key to her survival as a child, and in some cases, as in this one, she can help people, you know, give them 10 more years of life. It is also a real burden to her and something that she wouldn't wish on people. And I always think about that a lot, that having ability to see more than other people can see would be both a blessing and a curse. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah, but she seems to also have uh, lightness about her, which is fun. She, she has a good sense of humor, and her her spirit was really great to be around at the night of the uh, event. We'll be right back in a moment. Support for WYPR's podcasts comes from Catholic Charities. Celebrating its centennial in 2023, Catholic Charities is the largest private provider of social services in Maryland. Learn more about this movement to change lives at cc-md.org. So this next story is from William Eggington, who is a professor at a well-known university in Baltimore. Uh, and he... The John Hopkins University. <laughs> Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins University. Um, he also is uh, a father on Laura's son's uh, soccer team. Yes. So, uh, Meaning that he also has a child on Laura's Correct. son's soccer team. That really did not come out correctly. But anyway, uh, he's a great guy. And uh, he has the story about when he was traveling as a youth. And, you know, as a youth who did not really plan ahead, because that's often what youths um, do. They don't plan ahead. So take a listen. When I was 16, I didn't always make the best decisions. I hear some of you can relate. I was living that summer in Ecuador, in Quito, an exchange student, and I got into a habit of going on weekends to nearby and not-so-nearby towns. I liked going to market towns, and often these were two, three hours away by bus. I particularly liked being there in the mornings, early in the mornings on Saturdays, so that I could see people lighting up the fire, see women cooking dishes for the days, get the smells. That meant I had to leave on Fridays. Uh, in the afternoon, and I would get to these towns pretty late in the evening. My favorite was called Otovalo. It was one of the most famous Indian markets in the entire area, and uh, I went on several occasions, and I got used to it. Uh, I would get into the bus, uh, it would be loaded with people bringing their wares to the market, uh, animals, chickens, goats, 
On one particular day, I got in and I noticed something different. There were quite a few more goats and chickens than normal. We were on our way to the market during festival weekend. Uh, I got there, got out of the bus. What I would normally do is go to a nearby flop house, spend a handful of sucres, maybe get myself a, a roasted chicken. The whole thing would cost me a total of maybe $5. Well, this evening, I went from door to door, a number of different cheap hotels. I found nothing. Everything was booked. Bit by bit, I started to get a little desperate. What was I going to do? I had a knapsack. I had maybe a T-shirt, uh, an extra pair of underwear, a sweater, a thin sweater. And it's the Andes. It gets cold at night. All right, I realized at a certain point, this is it. I'm going to have to just camp out for the evening. And I found a, a park. I located a tree with the least uncomfortable set of roots that I could find. I sat down. I opened up my little backpack. I pulled out a pair of socks. I put that on in addition to what I had on. I put on the extra T-shirt. I put on the extra sweater. The underwear was there. What am I going to do with this? I pulled it on my head, of course. <laughs> Anything to keep myself warm. It was getting very cold. And, and I shivered and chattered the night away and got a few hours of sleep. I woke up probably before the crack of dawn. I could hear some nearby places that would, you know, sell me a coffee, starting to wake up the clanking of pots. I was aching from the cold. I got up and I walked to the nearest place, started to warm myself up, and then made my way to the market, to what I'd come for. As I was walking through the market, then it happened. Suddenly, I was bent over in pain. I had jolts of, of, of searing pain ricocheting through my ribs. I was doubled over. I couldn't breathe. I felt, this is it. I'm 16 years old. I'm without my parents. I'm in an Andean town hours away from the capital, and I'm dying of a heart attack. Pretty soon, people noticed that this six-foot-four blonde guy was lying on the ground writhing in pain, and they came over, and they, they, they tried to help, and they would ask me what was wrong. I couldn't answer. Eventually, I felt hands started to pick me up, and I managed to gasp out a question. Uh, Donde me llevan? Where, where are you taking me? Un médico, I said, to, to a doctor. And I heard something, many of them didn't speak Spanish, they spoke Quechua, a language I didn't understand. I heard the, lang the, the word, however, curandero. The back of my mind, this word, curandero. And I thought to myself, which doctor? <laughs> oh, great. As I'm going to either die of a heart attack here in the streets or be cured by an Andean witch doctor. What could go wrong? And sure enough, I was carried down a little street, I'm losing sense of time here, brought into a very dark, I would call it a hovel, uh, uh, cloths hanging down on the sides, dark inside, smoky. Uh, I remember the flickering of candles in the corners and some clinking of, uh, of beads and amulets. Uh, shadowy figures were in the background along the walls. Uh, an old man helped them lay me down on a cot. It was draped in kind of ratty fabrics, I was really in bad shape at this point, and this old figure came up to me, and I opened my eyes slightly, and I could see a whiskered, wrinkled face, um, and bright, bright eyes, twinkling eyes behind them, and then smells of incense in the background, oils, pungent oils, as he started to rub them on my chest, open my, my shirt, and then I felt a prick uh, in my arm, and warmth covered my entire body. And within seconds, it seemed like, no more pain. It was heavenly. 
I opened my eyes and this very friendly face was looking at me, again, that twinkle in the eyes, and I said, what did you give me? Que me dio usted? And he smiled and leaned into my ear and said, morfina. <laughs> morphine. I guess you know Spanish, so... Uh, a month later or so, I went to visit my own uh, doctor. He uh, diagnosed me with costochondritis. It wasn't dangerous to my heart the way that I thought it was, but it's an inflammation of the cartilage in between the ribs that can really make it feel like you're going to die of something like a heart attack. I told him about my situation with the witch doctor, and he said, <laughs> witch doctor? He was a healer. He was probably the only one they had, and that shot of morphine he gave you was probably the single best thing he could have given you. You needed muscle relaxant. Boy, did you get it. Thank you. So with that story, I've been to Otavalo and just his story, his description of the town and the early morning and all of that is so beautiful. And like, this is a story that wouldn't happen today because he would have a cell phone, Yeah, absolutely. you know, yeah. and there's just a whole category of experiences that are now extinct. It's some good, some bad. Well, we don't know if they're extinct because society could collapse and then no one would have a cell phone. We'd go right back to you know. That's true. That's true. (laughs) I guess there's that to look forward to. And we look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you so much for listening this week. Thank you to Maureen Harvey our producer. We have a holiday show coming up so please check our website stoopstorytelling.com where you can listen to stories and find information about all of our events. See you in two weeks. Alone with the way and the body is perfect. And so 